You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Shamoon is back and again probably from Iran and again hitting Saudi targets. Marai infestations are turning up in the UK. Observers see a criminal race to round up the biggest bot herd. Fancy Bear is also back and still pawing at WADA. Good backup practices enabled San Francisco's Muni Light Rail to recover from ransomware. Palo Alto warns of a new Android Trojan. Facebook says there's no way ransomware was hidden in messenger images. Firefox patches the zero day that threatens Tor anonymity. Germany mulls going for more surveillance, less privacy, as investigations of ISIS operations continue. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, December 1st, 2016. Shamoon, the drive-wiping malware that hit Saudi Aramco and other energy firms hard in 2012, is back, with infections reported in Saudi government systems. Saudi investigators say their forensic investigations lead them to attribute the attack to an Iranian source. Shamoon, also called Distrack, appears to be purely disruptive in operation, with no reports of data exfiltration. That was the case with the former appearance of Shamoon. In 2012, it destroyed data on Saudi Aramco devices, forcing hasty disconnection and costly replacement of the oil company's systems. That attack was attributed by most to an Iranian actor as well. A group calling itself Cutting Sword of Justice claimed responsibility. Even as Deutsche Telekom recovers from its Sunday distributed denial-of-service attack, there are reports today of further Mirai infestations affecting Internet routers outside Germany. In the UK, both TalkTalk and Post Office broadband service has been disrupted by an evolved version of the Mirai botnet herding malware. The security firm Plixer has been keeping us informed about the progress of Mirai. Thomas Poor, director of IT and services at Plixer, told the Cyberwire he sees these latest episodes as amounting to a continuation of the Mirai arms race. Hoods are competing to develop a leading position in the number of bots that can be marshaled for an attack. Exploiting routers distributed by TalkTalk and the post office greatly increases the volumetric capacity of the attack tool. Quote, Customers knocked offline during the infection growth expansion already feel the pain, which may be marginally compared to an attack against some of the largest ISPs down the road. End quote. So in this view, there's more Mirai coming. Estimates place the number of exploitable devices at greater than 40 million, which Poor says means that even if a fraction of those devices are compromised, quote, the power behind this Mirai variant could be unprecedented, end quote. Fancy Bear is also back. The World Anti-Doping Agency has again come under cyber attack. 
and the responsible parties are either Fancy Bear or someone masquerading as Fancy Bear. The evident goal of the attack is to discredit the World Anti-Doping Agency as corrupt. You'll recall that the agency had sanctioned a number of Russian Olympians during the Rio Games this past summer. San Francisco's Muni Light Rail has recovered from the ransomware attack it sustained this past weekend. It didn't pay the ransom, and so far, none of the data releases the extortionists threatened have occurred. The Muni says that's because the attackers didn't get any data in the first place. The recovery, observers note with general approval, was made possible by Muni's sound backup practices. The notion of an ATM spitting out all of its money seems like something out of a heist movie, or maybe a bad sitcom. But as we've reported, a cyber gang, likely Russian organized crime, has come up with a way to make the machines do just that in Armenia, Belarus, Bulgaria, Estonia, Georgia, Kyrgyzstan, Moldova, the Netherlands, Poland, Romania, Russia, Spain, the United Kingdom, and Malaysia. Group IB is a cybersecurity firm that's taken a lead role in investigating the caper and have named it Cobalt. We spoke with Dmitry Volkov, who joined us from their offices in Moscow. We're observing uh, targeted attacks against uh, financial institutions like banks, payment systems uh, since 2013. This specific group uh, we detected first in the middle of this year. The first attack uh, happened in Russia, so one of the Russian banks uh, was robbed. And uh, when we started to detect a spear phishing campaign targeting different countries, in Asia, in Europe, in post-Soviet Union countries uh, as well, we start to receive requests from different banks in, from European countries to see a malicious activity inside of their corporate network. And uh, it was clear that uh, fraudsters are going to attack banking systems and the ATM. How does it work? How are they getting these uh, ATMs to spit out their cash? Well, uh, we have special crafted uh, malware tools. It's not uh, malicious programs in traditional uh, uh, understanding. So we do not infect system with this uh, malware. We do not uh, use some persistent techniques to make this program live forever on the infected system. Uh, but this tool allows to use traditional API functions or, sorry for my, these legitimate calls uh, to financial software to make uh, ATM to spit out cash. Yeah, it struck me that it seems like if I were a manufacturer of an ATM, the one thing I would not want it to be ever be able to do is spit out all of its cash, <laughs> right? But you have to provide this ability to legitimate software because you need to operate uh, the ATM machine. You need to support it. So basically, once they had access to the, the network that connected to these ATMs, they could use these standard tools to then uh, manipulate them into, uh, into doing what they wanted. Actually, the tools are not standard, so we develop their own tools for these purposes. Uh, but the interface we should to communicate with ATM, yes, it's standard. How are the banks uh, preparing to uh, protect themselves from this? Well, first of all, we need to protect all the uh, corporate infrastructure. Uh, these uh, cyber criminals they use very simple technique to get inside of corporate network. They send uh, spear phishing emails. Uh, is is there something that uh, banks who haven't been affected can they can they do anything to sort of preemptively protect themselves now that we know that this uh, attack is occurring? Are there are there any sort of I don't know you know fingerprints that they can look for? Yes, of course. Uh, in our report, where. Uh, a pretty long list of indicators that could be used to detect uh, this suspicious activity. Uh, but sub, uh, I mean, banks, they should think uh, about cybersecurity in more complex. So first of all, of course, we need to protect uh, against phishing attacks. It's almost impossible because banks uh, have uh, 
thousands uh, of employees, but it's possible to detect it on the early stages. We need to segment uh, and do proper segmentation of a network uh, and restrict access from different segments and detect anomaly attempts of connection from a non-critical segment to critical segment. That's Dmitry Volkov from Group IB. Their full report on the Cobalt ATM hacks is available on their website. Palo Alto Network's Unit 42 reports on a new Google Android Trojan, Plugin Phantom, that abuses the Droid plugin framework. Plugin Phantom, which includes a keylogger, extracts a wide range of user and device information. It can take screenshots, intercept texts, reveal your location, and more. Facebook is calling hogwash on Checkpoint Software's report of Locky ransomware being spread by images in Facebook Messenger. The social media giant says there's no Locky in the images it delivers and suggests Checkpoint is misinterpreting vulnerable Chrome extensions, which Facebook says it's blocked for some time, as betraying a vulnerability in Facebook Messenger. Firefox has patched a zero-day that could be exploitable to de-anonymize Tor users. Germany's Interior Ministry has proposed legislation that would limit the transparency of online surveillance. Such surveillance has been instrumental in collaring ISIS terror suspects in particular. Interception of communications from jailed ISIS adherents implicated in a plot to bomb a Sikh temple in the Ruhr city Essen suggests that they continued planning for unusually repellent attacks targeting children with, among other things, poison. Investigation into the alleged ISIS mole in the BFV continues, and eyebrows from RT to the Washington Post are being raised by revelations that the alleged mole had a pre-BFV career in producing adult material. The media outlet's surprisingly retro assumption seems to be that this fact ought to have led a security agency to think twice before hiring him. It's also seen as surprising that the gentleman in question converted to Islam and sought out ISIS on the strength of phone conversations with a religious guy in Austria whose last name escapes the gentleman in question. Inspiration works in funny ways. Or to quote another famous and late-blooming German, of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing may be made. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The 
IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and head of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan, a fun article came by in InfoWorld recently, and the headline was, Stupid Encryption Mistakes Criminals Make. You know, sometimes these malware authors uh, don't end up being um, the, the sharpest knives in the drawer when it comes to choosing how to implement their cryptography. Well, that's true, but I wouldn't blame them too much, actually. I think what this demonstrates is that uh, cryptography is hard. And just to set the context here, right, this was in the context of ransomware, where criminals are writing uh, malware that will go into your machine and then encrypt uh, the files in your machine, and then you'll have to pay the criminals some uh, ransom in order to get your uh, access to your files back. So, you know, what you can see here is that, um, number one, that uh, crypto is actually not that easy, and so uh, even the criminals are making mistakes. But it's interesting still to see what kind of mistakes they're making in their code. And what kind of mistakes do we see them making? Well, a lot of them are mistakes that uh, we see also honest people making when they implement crypto. Uh, For example, one of the problems that the researchers found was being made very often was that criminals were using uh, bad sources of randomness to generate keys for encryption. And if you don't generate your keys uniformly at random, then it can become easier to guess the key being used. So so just to mention one example where the uh, ransomware authors were using uh, essentially something based on the current time in order to generate an encryption key. But of course, the current time uh, is not all that difficult to guess. There's only a limited number of possibilities, only a limited number of uh, seconds in a day, as it were. And so uh, it wasn't that hard, actually, for the engineers to figure out the key and then decrypt the file on their own without paying the ransom. So we do see from time to time after these ransomware um, uh, schemes have been out for a while that uh, some research group will come up with a crack for the ransomware. Uh, So this is a a matter of, of being able to reverse engineer it and find out where the weaknesses are? Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's uh, spy versus spy. (laughs) You have uh, the (laughs) ransomware people who are writing this code and trying to encrypt files and get people to pay a ransom. And then on the other end, you have people trying to attack the encryption uh, scheme being written by the uh, ransomware writers. I think the other comment I wanted to make, actually, it's not only demonstrating that encryption is hard, but you have to keep in mind the uh, incentives of the ransomware writers, right? All they want, actually, is not for the, they don't care whether the encryption is secure or not. What they care about is that it's secure enough to convince the person at the other end to pay the ransom. And so if it's uh, you know any significant amount of effort to uh, reverse engineer it and undo the encryption, or if they have to pay a consultant a large fee in order to do it, then they may uh, just as well end up paying the ransom in the first place. And from that point of view, the ransomware writers have already won. Good point. Uh, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.